a lot of stuff happened in 2021, but none so as important as the video games that graced our video game table. Um, after a sort of long delay, we're back. Uh, apologies to our regular listeners, but we had uh, some issues with COVID, or I did. Um, everyone else was fine, but we're back now, and uh, the RPD boys are ready to discuss their sort of favourite games of 2021. Uh, it's a very off-the-cuff episode. Give us some time to get back on our feet. But, um, you know, we'd like it if you could join us and, and look back on, on the previous year on this, our uh, new episode of Raccoon Podcast Department. Um, as always, joined by Johnny and Dave. Hi. Hello. Um, and, yeah, sort of a, I guess, a roundtable discussion of of our individual favorite games of, of 2021. Um, it's not a lot to go over. Uh, who, who Does anybody want to sort of open us up? I do actually have five games. Um, one of them is from 2020, so we'll remove that. It was Demon's Souls, by the way, uh, the remake, just um, so uh, everybody's clear and we're transparent. It was a really good game. Uh, I think all three of us played that. Um, fantastic game and probably one of the best reasons to own a PS5 still. And it's a launch title. Um, but yeah, so I'll start with... Um, again, this is technically a 2020 release, but um, it did get a re-release in 2021. It's a Final Fantasy Remake Intergrade. Final Fantasy VII Remake Intergrade, even. Um, now, Johnny, you have played a bit of this, haven't you? Yeah, I got as far and... as the, the himbo on the motorcycle. Ah, Roche, yeah. Uh, <laughs> both me and Liam have finished that, including the DLC. You did finish yeah. DLC. You finished it before me, didn't you? Uh, DLC. Intergrade. Yeah, um, did, yeah, the one with Yuffie. Yeah, so um, I mean, if you, any of, if any of the listeners follow me on Twitter, you'll probably be quite aware that I'm the world's biggest Final Fantasy VII fanboy. Like, it's unbelievable how much I love that game, and uh, I've absolutely adored remake for a multitude of reasons. Um, they could have so easily buggered this game up, and they didn't. They made it. It's basically what fifteen should have been in terms of like combat and progression. Um, world design, all that kind of thing. Um, like so, it plays on your on your memories of the original game quite a bit, but it's also absolutely um its own thing, and it's striving to be its own thing. You can tell that if you if you've played through it, you know. Um, I'm not going to spoil the ending or anything because obviously, John, you've not played it uh, to the end. Um, you, it's very much doing its own thing, and it's striving to become its own wee entity separate from the original, whilst also paying homage to the original. Um. Obviously, has its issues. Um, it's it is only up to the end of Midgar, um, and there are some questionable choices in terms of quest design. Um, some of the like the side missions suck. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be around the bush. Like they're they're not great, um, and they are blatantly there for filler. Um, but some of the set pieces in the game are absolutely unbelievable. The boss fights in particular are just amazing. Um, there's like I think a couple of my favourites would be like the Airbuster. Um uh I would say the entire section on the upper plate of Midgar, um, after you climb the wire is unfucking believable. Uh the entire soundtrack is brilliant. Um and yeah, like I, I, if I keep talking I'll end up just gushing about the game for an hour and a half. So I'm gonna stop myself there. Uh but suffice to say, like Intergrades was 
an improved version of the original game. Like it fixed all of the the kind of technical issues. Like um, it's now runs at sixty frames per second. Um, it fixed all the texture load issues. Um, the door. The door. Yeah, the door was the big one. Um, and uh, like also swapped in a lot of like higher poly models where the, the PS4 was physically incapable of loading them in. Um, so got, there's there's a, a specific um, example is in Aeris House's garden. Like the, a lot of the yellow flowers were really low poly in the PS4 version of the game, and now they're full high poly models because the PS5 can load them in, um, and it looks a lot better for it. So yeah, um, that was my probably my number one game. Um, so obviously I've kind of waxed lyrical about that on my own here. Obviously Liam did play it as well. Um, I, do you have anything you want to say about uh, Intergrade that I've not already said, Liam? Or? Um, not particularly. The, uh, one thing I want to bring up, which is I really like the inclusion of the uh, Fort Condor minigame. Yes, that was brilliant. Uh, which is, it's a lot of fun until you sort of break it almost. Yeah. Um, but, you know, as a sort of, small thing that they put in considering this is dlc Mm -hmm. to put in a whole mini game as well i think it's just a lot of fun and Um, it's it's probably better than the mini games in the base game to be honest i'd say so particularly um the fort condor mini game which you can only play as part of a sort of you have to go to the actual in-universe location fort condor and participate in battles against shinra whereas Mm -hmm. fort condor in Intergrade is an in-universe board game, sort of like uh, a Warhammer type board game, I guess. <laughs> Where yeah, uh, it's it's sort of part tower defense. I don't really know how to categorize it, but the models of the game are sort of a more uh, modern take on the poly low poly models in the original Fort Condor game, and it just looks really nice. Um, yeah, and it's a really nostalgic sort of way to refresh a part of the game that I think a lot of people don't like. Um, yeah, like I'm I'm an outspoken um, downer on uh, original Fort Condor because it's bo- I, I just think it's boring and like really kind of breaks the pace of the game in that early part. Although yeah. you never read to play it, so that's maybe unfair. But yeah, like they've they've redesigned it, but it's still like it still is recognizably Fort Condor, but it just it works in its own wee way. Um it's completely optional, but you are encouraged to play it and it's yeah. fun. Like it's really fun and it's quick as well. It's Italian. close enough to the original version of the minigame to sort of share a lineage with it, mm-hmm. but it fixes a lot of the problems that made that game boring, you know? Yes, um, for sure. Which is, I think, really great and worth talking about, I think. But other than that, I'd say, like, Integrate looks amazing. It runs so well. It gives just a fresh coat of paint to a game that isn't that old, but was a wee bit rough around the edges, I think, at times. Yes. The original release was gorgeous, but, you know, there was a few points where you sort of felt like it, it didn't quite meet the grade. Yeah. Um, and now in Intergrade, you, there's an argument that it sort of is the definitive version of the game and, and fixes those foibles. Oh, yeah, for sure. If I were to recommend anybody to play it, I would say play the PC or the PS5 version. Like, yeah. for sure, don't play the PS4 version. So I'll move from uh, Intergrade onto a game that I, I know that all three of us consider a game of the year, which is uh, Metroid Dread for the Nintendo Switch, um, which, if Intergrade had not come out this year, would have probably been my game of the year. Uh, because, as I've said in 
private conversations between us all. That game has no fat on it. It's all muscle. It's completely lean. And the pacing is pretty unbelievable. Um, it had a look to live up to because it was, was actually based on like a cancelled Nintendo DS game for the mid-2000s. Um, and it's changed hands between various developers. But um, Mercury Stream have done a pretty outstanding job with this game. Um, it's, the pacing is like constant balls to the wall. Um you always have like a feeling that you need to keep moving. Like you, there is a sense of dread to the game. Like there's no just a name. Um, like especially with the enemy, enemy designs. Um, and like the, the areas and the map that they inhabit. Like you're you're forced to kind of get through those areas as quickly as possible because you don't want to get caught with them because they're basically invincible unless you happen to be able to parry them, which is difficult on purpose. Um, but yeah, um, that is pretty spectacular. It also runs really well for a Switch game. Um, I don't know if you think. Obviously, like we'll, we'll kind of put this to to the group a wee bit here because obviously uh, we all did very much enjoy this game at the time. Uh, so uh, either you guys want to chip in a bit, Metroid Dread. Um, the thing about Metroid Dread for me is as well, I'm not into mm. Metroid games. I've never played a Metroid game for any great amount of time, and I'm not even really that into Nintendo games. If I'm honest, like there's a few really good Nintendo games that I like. And there's a lot that I've sort of dipped into. And, you know, they're fine. But I really got sucked mm-hmm. into Metroid Dread. Like, I think, I don't know how long it took me, but I, f- I played so many hours of it in a very short amount of time and just fired through it. I think we all did. At least, um, I know uh, you finished it yeah. before me, Dave. Um, and I wasn't that far behind you. Um, but it's just so tight in terms of, like, and I think these are things that a lot of people know about Metroid games already. Mm. It's sort of what the series is known for, but it's, it's kind of like fresh to me. But the things about like, you know, just how tight the level design is and the exploration and uh, the boss fights. And then there's this moment at the end where you just feel really powerful. I think that's probably, as far as I understand it, what the whole Metroid thing is about. You know, get all the power-ups until you're this sort of super-powered, you know, Bounty Hunter in space or whatever. I'm assuming I've never played that far into a Metroid game before. But the way it makes you sort of feel powerful at the end is really fun and exciting. Um, and it, For like a game on the Nintendo Switch that isn't super flashy looking, it's really yeah. nice looking. Like just the art direction and the sort of aesthetic of it um, and the way it sort of uses the sort of light and stuff like that. It really... Punches above its weight, I think. Other sort of comparisons are like something like Breath of the Wild, which looks amazing on the Switch and sort of feels like... I feel like Breath of the Wild feels like it shouldn't be running on the mm-hmm. Switch, whereas Metroid Dread feels like it... It's In terms of like uh, graphical capabilities, you're like, oh, okay, sure, this is well within the Switch's sort of Yay. wheelhouse or something. But the way it sort of uses that looks really nice in a way that I think like there's something to be said for games that don't you know, aren't triple A, well, I suppose this is triple A in a way, but like, you know, aren't that sort of like pushing the boundaries of, you know, Horizon yeah. or something, uh, or Death Stranding, uh, you know, and that really, I really sort of fell in love with that kind of aspect to it as well. It sort of has this sort of budget feel to it, not budget, but you know, it's a sort of smaller game in a way. Small but, feels but perfectly like so formed. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, they like made the most of their resources. I mean, I was pretty much going to say the exact same thing as you, Liam. Like the art direction is great, 
the the lighting, just everything that builds the atmosphere at the beginning of the game. Yeah. They really nail and it gives it that sort of more foreboding edge over even some of the previous Metroid games. Like I played Super Metroid a lot at the time and I've dipped into the Game Boy ones, which are also really good. And this one sort of follows up from them and continues with the lore and it's got the the ex parasite yeah, so and that the, sort of thing. It's a direct sequel to Metroid and, Fusion and like it, it really leans on that quite hard. Um which is interesting because like that game came out fifteen years ago and like it acts like you should know everything about it, which is is weird but it's also quite refreshing. Like it's the if you want to know more, go and play the old game, which is quite easy to do if you know how to get an emulator. It's quite cool. Yeah, yeah. And I think overall it just really worked. Like you would think or maybe a, a cynical old man like myself would think, oh, they're going to mess this up. They're going to bring back Metroid and mess it up. And they didn't. So they had all that weight of expectation and then they nailed it, which is like extra rare. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I haven't actually finished it. I played like probably 75%, been unlocking routes, been trying to like every zone I go into, I try and get every item because it's that kind of game where you, you can be completionist about it without yeah. it being a chore mm-hmm. like uh we didn't talk about like the you can super run later on where you go faster than normal and then pause and then you can jump at like special angles and all that and that kind of puzzling platforming is a lot of fun as well yeah and like it's really satisfying when you get a couple of them just the f- the sort of game feel is really tight in ways that I think a lot of uh, you know what do you call them uh, me- I was about to say Castle Metroids <laughs> Metroidvanias a lot of, of Metroidvanias I think don't I think there's a lot of lazy Metroidvanias that just sort of are like it's a Metroidvania everyone's going to play it because people like them I don't know I'm not into going to get flack for this I tried Hollow Knight I wasn't into it I, I tried like Hollow Knight either. Uh, another game Ori in the Blind Forest. Oh, yeah. nice. I wasn't into it. Uh, I find Metroidvania is really boring, but a couple of them hit. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yes, I'm into this. Um, and I guess this is Metroid, so it's the... It's like the... The gold standard for yeah. it, maybe, I suppose. I, th- I know what you mean about the game feel, though. Like it's, it, and it helps that like a lot of the stuff you do looks cool and feels cool. Like it's got a good, like a, a lot of good like animation and like sound design and like visual flair. Yeah. Like especially like uh, like the running thing you were talking about, Johnny Shine Sparking. Like that when you finally get like a proper Shine Spark to collect an item, it looks amazing. It's so cool. Um, so like the fact that like like I, I don't like visually how Hollow Knight is. I think it looks crap. I'll be honest with you. Um, and like I understand why people like it. It's obviously a very dense and like deep game, but like it's just if the, if it doesn't look cool, then why am I playing it? You know what I mean? Like it's uh, that that kind of game where I want to be able to look and feel like I'm like I'm getting more progressively more powerful. So I don't know, but yeah, Metroid Dread was great. Yeah, big. Uh, I think I'm not sure. I haven't really. I don't think I've specifically chosen a game of the year for last year. Mm-hmm. But Metroid Dread probably came closest. I think to to being my game of the year for certain. I'm not sure. 
I think it, it helps. That it was just like it was just such a big surprise. Like it was announced like in like June, and mm-hmm. it was like here's this game that you've been waiting for fifteen years. It's out in three months, and it was like, what's it going to be like? It can't be good. It's, it's it has to be shite. Then it came out, and it was fucking brilliant. It was just yeah. like such a nice surprise to have something good for a while. But yeah, I suppose um, I'll say one more game, and then I suppose that's my time kind of up. Um, not much to talk about the next one, but it is another Metroidvania. It's a uh, Record of Lodos War, Deedlet, and Wonder Labyrinth. Um, oh. I really liked this game. I thought it was great. Um, it's obviously a Symphony of the Night clone. Um, I guess doing it the music, which is like Symphony of the Night loves its bass, and this game really loves its bass um, solos. Please. It loves the bass. Um, buttery biscuit bass. Um, but uh, yeah, like um, lovely sprite work, some really nice exploration, uh, environment design was nice. Uh, I'm a big fan of, well, not a huge fan, I'm a relatively recent fan of Record of Lodos War, uh, but I love the high fantasy stuff. Um, the animation in that, in that series is absolutely beautiful. The OVA series, I mean, not the, I've not seen the TV series. Um, absolutely beautiful. Um, really nice world design, just proper, good traditional high fantasy with a bit of anime flair, yeah, or a lot of anime flair. Um, this one changes up the formula a wee bit by having like a, a dual elements thing where you can switch between elements in order to like fight certain enemies and overcome certain environmental obstacles um but you're also definitely encouraged to keep the pace going um it's a very quick game um so like it's you you end up kind of getting a bit of rhythm switching between two elements it's like fire and ice fire and wind rather um and um it gives it like quite an interesting sort of like fast-paced rhythmic kind of switching like a you, you end up getting like a sort of get almost like a musical rhythm playing in the game um but yeah i it was a big surprise to me um i ended up actually like i bought it digitally on steam for like a tenner on a sale loved it that much i ended up just getting like the japanese physical copy for the ps5 which is still sealed on my shelf um but i just like having it there but yeah i really enjoyed that game i don't know if either like i think you played it johnny did you play it yeah Liam? I, I played it uh for quite a few hours and then i said to myself you haven't finished metroid dread so (laughs) i I sort of stopped at that point but i was enjoying it it's quite snappy and the fact that you heal from having like these Mm. resource meters built up but then if you're using that meter and take damage you'll lose it so you have to really balance it it was quite uh interesting and also the fact it was from the guys who made that toho lunar nights so it's like it's a Metroidvania, but it's got a bit of bullet hell mm. in its DNA, which I'm not I'm not a Dan Maku expert by no. any means, or even just normal shooters. But I did enjoy Toho Lunar Nights and this sort of was like a more refined version of that. Did you end up playing it, Liam? I can't remember if you did or not. When it hit Game Pass, I did try it long enough to know that I loved the visuals mm-hmm. and I loved how much it is like unashamedly just uh symphony of the night Mm -hmm. again with some tweaks i suppose um and things like you know i was interested in the sort of arrow puzzles i didn't get to play too many of them but oh yeah um, it's one where i played it i had other things going on at the time and then i sort of mentally took a note to come back to it and haven't yet Mm -hmm. um but it did seem you know uh, I really liked it. You know, the music and the visuals were sort of drew me to it, and I haven't yet explored it as a game. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it looks great. I'm, I'm quite interested that it uh, made your list. That sort of 
makes me want to play it more. You know, I wasn't sort of, I, I thought it would be good, but it wouldn't be something that, you know, I'd hear too much about or something like that. It's just, it's, it's, it's a, a small but quite fierce wee game. Um, and it was just a, a bit of like a, a nice and refreshing. Um, it was like, it's like the other side of the coin to Metroid Dread. Um, it's, it's, it's a similar kind of game, but it's got different enough feel that it kind of becomes its own wee thing. But yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed it quite a bit. It doesn't outstate its welcome either, does it? No, it's very short, very short. It's like, uh, there's something to be said for short, good games, like mm-hmm. when you've got so many 100 hours, 85 hours, or just shared world or service games that you could play forever. Playing a game that you can just finish in two weekends and just go, that was good, mm. is that's an extra mark in my mm. book. Are you trying to tell us, Johnny, you're not excited for Exoprimals? Well, the thing is, <laughs> is it made by Capcom? In which well. case, yes, I am. Is mm. it made by Neobards? In which case, no, probably not. Like, it's an 8 out of 10, and then if it's Capcom, it gets plus 1. If it's Neobards, it gets minus 1. <laughs> that's what I'm treating it as. Cool. Um, so, yeah, uh, that's I've, I've, that's my kind of time on the floor taken up. So, whichever you guys wants to go next, then we can start exploring some other people's lists here. See, I was thinking because I don't actually have a clue, I should maybe go so that Liam can have a strong finish. Mm. Sure. Let me actually, and I'm going to also step on. Liam's toes, I imagine, because my first one would be Monster Hunter Rise. Mm-hmm. That's on mine as well. <laughs> it's it's so easy to forget though that it came out last year just because, well, I mean also I've got a child, but when you're at home all day the days are run together and when yeah. you spend 200 hours in a world over like a month, <laughs> then yes. it can feel like <laughs> it wasn't a year ago. Uh, but So, Monster Hunter Rise is the Nintendo Switch iteration of the Monster Hunter series. So starting with World, which uh, we all played on the PlayStation 4, they stopped giving Monster Hunter games numbered titles. Mm -hmm. So World would have been five. So I suppose Rise is the sixth mainline Monster Hunter game. Um, World made a bunch of improvements in quality of life that made it that I could recommend it to friends. Whereas four ultimate that I was big into, you'd sort of have a what would you call it a nuanced recommendation. Like it's, it's good, but you have to mine for minerals for ten hours and that kind of stuff. Mm. Whereas Rise, you can just say play Rise. Like friend of the podcast Megan should play Rise oh, yeah. as a demo. Uh, also everyone, but I mean at the moment I'd say quite a few of my friends, you guys included, have been playing rise well when it was new we all gave it a go it's got the normal monster hunter formula so you fight with various weapons that have their own move sets and they're quite varied uh, and they can all play a different role in the the hunting but they've added a new element of sort of a silk uh, so you've got this special bug that flies about with you that lets you use these silk attacks and these silk sort of uh, leaps so you can shoot up uh, a string of silk and jump higher and bounce and reach sort of uh, vertical planes that you wouldn't normally. And also there's new attacks that weren't in world. So although you've got quite a lot of moves 
continue through the series so your your greatsword has still got the same charge attacks it did 10 years ago but they've added on this sort of silk letting you do a, a jump or a bomb or whatever and the other thing that I really liked about it because as most people know I'm a Japan fan is that it's a really Japanese game so it's got shrine maidens and yokai inspired monsters so there's uh, that and also a guy that's just literally just Strider Strider Hiryu ah yeah yeah <laughs> that kind of thing so I love that um, um, oh and as we all know because this is a slightly RE inspired podcast it's using the Reach for the Moon engine which is just amazing so another yes. Switch game that's running extremely well now obviously if you were a pixel pervert you could play it on a, a pc now that it's got a, a steam port and have it in 4k but on the switch it performs pretty well docked or undocked you know for a sort of fluid game where you're blocking and you're dodging and your timing makes a big difference because otherwise a sort of dinosaur will just blow you up it it, it runs pretty pretty well um, yeah and we're all looking forward to the western sort of uh, horror expansion Sunbreak which is going to be a bit more vampires and werewolves rather than mm. uh, Karakasa and, and whatever yokai but anyway so it wasn't just me that played it so who wants to jump in Um. okay well I think something that's uh, obviously you're a long time fan of the series Johnny yeah, and you'd had various attempts to sort of bring some of us into. It. I remember playing. Uh, was it Generations or what was it called? The one we all played on the three. For ultimate, or, probably for yeah. ultimate. For ultimate, yeah. Um, and it was fun. We'd all sort of we all got together and I think at your flat and and played some of that. Um, but you know, it it I didn't spend a lot of time in that game. Uh, whereas when World came out, um. I put hundreds of hours into world and that really is sort of world's successes as a gateway drug for the series <laughs> for, you know, like you said, getting new people in, in like a pretty painless fashion. So rise is my first game that would be more akin to like the classic monster hunter, uh, formula. And I would say that like the transition from world to rise is is equally painless like the things that they've taken from world and put into this game to accommodate new players or players coming from world really make a lot of sense and then the things that you would think of as being more typical of the series um it's just such a good jumping off point for that as well where you're sort of getting a, it's, it's almost like a halfway home between world and what you would expect from a classic monster hunter game mm-hmm without putting off either player. Because I know there's a lot of people who maybe were disappointed by certain aspects of World because they're, you know, uh, so attached to the way Monster Hunter was. Um, And then, like, yeah, like you said, it's on the Switch, um, which is, to me, like, the Switch is a great console. Um, Don't get me wrong. But it's also not... I don't play handheld games, really. Mm Mm-hmm. I prefer to play my games on the sofa in front of the TV. And so my Switch is primarily docked 
So for me, and I, this is, I understand, not fair on the system at all, but it's an underpowered console, right? That's what I get from the Switch. Yes. With, uh, you know, so the strength is really the games that come out on it that I can't play elsewhere. Because as soon as I can play it elsewhere, I will. Um, But for Monster Hunter Rise, I never really felt that restrained by the console that it was on. And again, it comes back to like, Metroid Dread, aesthetically, it just really plays to the strengths of the console and does a lot within the power that the console gives it. Um, and in particularly when you compare it to Monster Hunter World, which is a gorgeous game, which is you know couldn't run on the Switch and really has to be on a uh, you know it was PlayStation Four when it came out, and then I think now you can possibly was there an update for PlayStation Five, a next gen update. I would imagine so. I mean, I think um, it was in uh, PS Now or the PS Plus collection. I'm not sure. I don't think it did, but the the frame rate is unlocked anyway, so it doesn't really make too much a difference. Uh, And it's on PC. And that's a gorgeous game with lots of detail. Mm. And the the thing that you really only lose is is, is the, the level of fidelity, but the sort of all the monsters and stuff, they still have that sort of... The thing that Monster Hunter has is that personality, right? All the monsters exude character, you know? And the world has so much character. And when you sort of dial back on the graphics, it that doesn't impact on, on how much personality the game has. Mm-hmm. And that's the strength of, of Rise, I think, uh, on a more uh, underpowered console, or a console that's targeting a very specific sort of use scenario. Mm-hmm. You know? um, and that's just what I fell in love with with world and i was very happy to see that it sort of survived and you know monster hunter always sort of it had its time as like a handheld game you know it was coming out in the 3ds and stuff like that so it makes sense that it 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 works on the switch um but i think for me world being my jumping off point that was a worry because i never really fell in love with those games on the the uh the older consoles or the handheld consoles, you know, mm-hmm. on the Wii U or on the PlayStation Two. So, t- to me, it looked like a step back to be having to go and, and do that, but it absolutely isn't. Which is really all I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, Capcom made all the right sacrifices mm-hmm. to get Rise to look as good as it does. Yeah, I mean, you compare that to like something like um, Pokemon Legends Arceus, which is made by a company that has a lot more money than Capcom. Like, the Pokemon com- company makes money hand over fist, and that game looks like it does. Like, that game is fun. The game is a, yeah. a lot of fun. It has a good gameplay loop, but that should not look like that. Not when there's games like Monster Hunter Rise. And I think, like, arguably, for the Pokemon series, as in the mainline Pokemon titles, that's the most powerful hardware that that game, that series has ever been on. Yes. You know. Um, so, how does it, feel like a step back from what we were getting on the 3ds i don't know mm-hmm. uh, but that's another sort of topic um probably yeah, actually of our wheelhouse there was something that listening to you i thought of that i didn't mention so we all played world mm-hmm. and i'd been that's what i'd sort of been pushing for is for us to have the monster hunter experience so i'll just very quickly tell a story so we fought the flagship monster of world uh, Nergigante and there was uh, four of us 
Mm-hmm. Was it was it us and Steve? Yeah, it was us and Steve. I think so. We got absolutely stomped by him, <laughs> destroyed uh, and, and triple carted, <laughs> and then just came back, did the same fight again, got the patterns and and got the down and the stun and the bombs and all that. Like did everything and killed him. And it's just like that's the monster Hunter experience. Like you, you go through this really hard fight. You you learn the tales and the sort of dance and then afterwards you're just like yes it's a massive release of endorphins right at the end it's a really fulfilling experience especially like good mates and especially if you have some kind of way of communication with each other um yeah yeah and then like even later on you know you'd come back and you would just absolutely you know destroy him (laughs) the the sort of thing we start to feel bad about how you know badly you're kicking his ass um and you really you know, that's the thing about Monster Hunter as well, is like it's such a social game. And you know, the the memories I have of playing World, because it was around about the time of Beast from the East, um, I think, or it, it was during we were playing it, because I remember staying at home, not having work, and just being on Thousands of Bell, yeah. Um at least at the time my office had flooded as well before beast from the east in case you don't know was a big uh snow fall it wasn't a snowstorm it wasn't a ps2 game no so uh in in i don't know in scotland at least there was heavy snowfall that sort of ground the country to a halt and going to work wasn't happening and stuff like that so good time for games and then also before that my office had flooded so i spent a lot of time on monster Hunter world and <laughs> um yeah, and then that sort of came back with Rise. It was nice to sort of get back into it and and do that for a bit as well. So yeah, because we were still kind of um, indoors most of the time around that because it was March twenty twenty one that came out. So like we were still yeah. the recommendation and, uh, was still being be indoors because of COVID. Yeah, and that was what I was going to say. So the Switch uh, has very good local uh, co op. So mm. the sort of Switch local connection. Um, and uh, we have a a friend who comes over to visit every so often, and they always bring their switch. So there's Carly's got a switch, I've got a switch, Chona's got a switch, and we do a sort of local connection, and it means you can play co-op in the same room without needing, you know, multiple console. Well, you've got multiple consoles, but you're holding them in your hand. You know, it's like mm. very convenient. It's mm. what the 3ds should have done, but it kept disconnecting you or it was sort of too much of a faff. Although I realise I've maybe spent a bit too long on Rise, so I'll I'll just give a a mention to the the other game I wanted to talk about, which is Resident Evil Village. Mm-hmm. So I enjoyed Dread a lot, but I would say potentially Village was my game of the year from last year. Uh, we did do a sort of first impressions episode and perhaps uh, some of us were more positive about it at the time than we would be if we did an episode on it now. But I would say I'm still like super love village. Just love village. It's really good. Love like, Ethan. So, Simple. Yeah. <laughs> like I like the gameplay. I like the graphics. I like RE Engine. I like the first person. It's got the RE4 elements that you pick up loot. I mean, I don't want to relitigate everything I said that I enjoyed about it. If you want to hear our sort of intense 
initial reaction, you can go and listen to the Are You Village bonus episode. Mm. Um, but okay, so I feel like I'm monopolizing everyone's time. So this is like an honorable mention, but Scarlet Nexus came out mm. last year as well. And it's a Bandai Namco sort of a less premium title than Tales of Arise. And it clearly didn't have the same budget, but it was really interesting game. So it is a bit too anime. And yes, it's funny to, to people who attended anime conventions in, in cosplay to say things that are too anime, but it's, it's true. Or, hmm. or either the game's too anime or I'm too old. But uh, so the story, I would say, you might not like it unless you're really into sort of tropey anime. But everything else about it was great. Like the world was really interesting. It's sort of futuristic, but it's got mixed in with sort of, uh, I think it's, wait, it's either Heisei or it's Showa. So it's like 90s Tokyo is mixed in with the sort of futuristic elements. So it's got mm. a nostalgia to it. And the creature design is crazy. Like I remember I sent Dave like a a screenshot of one of the monsters and it's a bit like one of these sculptures that you get in Hannibal. You know, it's like uh, skulls and inorganic elements and flowers. And like, it's really pretty weird. If it was in a different kind of game, you could actually have some effective horror from it. Yeah, for sure. The way it's used, it's not really... uh, and the combat is the main thing. Fantastic. So really, really good. Yeah. I wouldn't be talking about it if it didn't have this cracking, surprisingly so, combat loop. So the way the combat works is if you're playing the guy, Yuito, he's got like sort of a laser sword type thing. Uh, and you do melee attacks, sort of quick attacks, uh, and a sort of slower wide area attack. But mixed in with those combos, you can hold down the the right trigger to perform a sort of psychokinesis attack. Mm. And he uses psychic powers to pick up objects that are around him and throw them at the enemy. And the way that those two chain together is just perfect. So you'll do attack with the sword, throw a bicycle at someone, and then when that hits, if you hit the melee button in time, you'll jump in and do a follow-up. Then you throw something else, like a car, then you do a follow-up and like it just feels great. So so that's really Oh, and the soundtrack was cracking. That's really yes. what I want to say about Scarlet Nexus. But I know, David, you you bought it outright. You didn't uh rely on the blessings of Phil. Did you get to play it much last year? I played about ten hours, I think. Um really enjoyed the combat. Like there's a lot of interest and stuff like and you've basically said a lot of it already. Um like the soundtrack is like because it's sort of like um like very electronic, uh, but it's, it's very catchy. But the, the combat is definitely like the the main attraction for the game. Um, it's really just it's a really solid, engaging loop. Um, but I just kind of lost interest in the story, and um, I'm I need to have something that's pushing me forward in a game for a loop. If if it's story driven like this is, and it is story driven, um, it needs to be good. And uh, I just kind of fell out of love with it. But like um. Yeah, like there's no doubt, like visually, um, 
really interesting and quite striking in the combat. Like if it was in a different game that had a more engaging story that was that was like I'm, I'm going to say it less anime, I would have probably loved it a lot more. But like it's got a lot going for it. It's just not in my game of the year, Colin. Um, and I don't know if we'll go back to it. I don't know if we'll finish it to be honest. But yeah, I'm not surprised it's in your game of the year list. Yeah, I thought I'd, I'd give it a mention, like especially since the director like replies to my tweets. So hmm. you know. Me and Kenji are, are pals now. Uh, and I don't even know how long I've been speaking for. We can just edit me out if I'm <laughs> talking for too long. So, uh, Root Film. Uh, so that's a Kadokawa Games uh, visual novel, which is the follow-up to Root Letter that I know that uh, Liam has as well. Yeah. So Root Film, and I've not finished it. I've played like a few of the cases but it's a visual novel where you play a sort of film director in uh, current day Japan who is filming a sort of mystery project. But while he's going about scouting locations, he keeps getting involved in murders and he has to solve them using his sort of instincts. Um, now, the first root film, sorry, the first root game, root letter, was very much a sort of what would you call it a tourism video like the all the locations in Shimane are real places and it talks about like what the nice things are so Hmm. although it's got a story it also is like oh you can go here or you can visit this temple and this is very much the same thing Uh, but I like it you know it just if it was something else like, if it was Noctis wearing a cup noodle helmet, I'd be like, what the hell is this? But when you're advertising a place in Japan that I want to visit, I'll, I'll eat it up every time. So, oh, the shrines and the temples and the castles and just all the tourist attractions and the shopping streets and the. I miss Japan, the video groovies. game. <laughs> yeah, it just, it's amazing. And this time they've sort of. It's. What would you call it? The art style I prefer in this new one. It's like quite bold outlines. Like it looks sort of drawn, if you know what I mean. Hmm. And I, I'm probably not expressing myself super well, but it's quite colourful and they've got bold outlines and quite like the character designs in this one. Uh, I feel like the art's improved from the first game. Uh, and it's pretty much fully voiced I think uh, which is really good so it helps bring out the characters and the situations and I mean everyone knows I'm a big Columbo fan I love my murder solving games so the cases in this are quite interesting it's not like you know sometimes you're playing Phoenix Wright and you solve the case like 10 minutes before they let you solve the case and you just sit there going let me present this evidence well it's not like that usually you're trying to catch up to where Max, the main character, is at because he'll go, oh, it must be this, and then you're like, oh, how does he know? So, yeah, Root Film, it's pretty much on everything, I think. So I played it on Switch because I like to be able to undock for VNs, but it's definitely on PlayStation as well if you want to pick it up. Uh, And with that, I think I will relinquish my hold of the microphone. Okay, I guess that leaves... uh me to sort of mop up the <laughs> the juicy remnants of 2021 i don't know 
Uh, I'm going to fire through a couple of games that aren't, you know, aren't my favorite that nobody has mentioned yet that I think deserve just a wee note. Okay, so I'm not going to say much on, on these ones. Um, so Halo Infinite came out in December, uh, I believe, or at least the multiplayer component did. I can't remember which. Um, it's great. It's fun. It's nothing to write home about. It's Halo. Um, the multiplayer is Halo multiplayer. It's good. It's fun. I'm not going to say any more on it. Um, <laughs> Deathloop came out. I didn't like Deathloop. Uh, I thought it was difficult to parse, and I gave up on it. Call me an idiot. I don't care. I didn't like Deathloop. I'm not going to say any more about it. Uh, Forza Horizon 5 came out in 2021, didn't it? Yes, yeah, it did. Yeah. We all loved Forza Horizon 5. It's a Forza game. There's lots of racing in it. It looks amazing. Um, it's a really great game to just have installed on your PC and jump in and out of it. And, you know, when you're not playing something else, you can catch up on it a bit, but there's no pressure to fire through it and finish. There's no, I mean, there's a story mode, but it, it's, it's Forza. So it doesn't matter. You don't need to finish it. You just play it when you want to. It's great. Get it. Um, I'm not going to say any more on the matter. Uh, what else? Ratchet and Clank. A Rift Apart came out. Um, I really liked a Rift Apart. I think Dave, you also really like a Rift Apart. Yeah, there's a lot of impressive stuff in that game. It's it's just it's a standard kind of a shooty game, but like it's just visually and technically very very competent. Yeah, um, looks gorgeous. It's an Insomniac game, so you can expect a some level of quality. Um, there's not a lot out on the PlayStation Five that is a PlayStation Five game, mm. uh, so it's worth getting in that regard. I don't think the uh, portals really brought as much to the game as they hyped it up to be. Yeah. I don't believe you need the SSD loading times to have a, an experience comparable to this. You know, it maybe wouldn't be as exciting and maybe wouldn't work exactly the same, but the way they sort of implemented it, I think left something to be desired because uh, it was always a teleport between variations of the same level. It was never really to somewhere completely different. And that was disappointing. But mm. overall, really solid platformer from a you know one of the long term, long time sort of platformer greats, I guess, or whatever you want to call that genre. Um, so yeah, that's a recommendation. I'd play that, but I don't think there's much to be said on the matter. I only have two games that I really want to talk about because um, obviously there's been games that have come up before now uh, from both of your lists that were would have been on minds. You know, Metroid Dread. Loved it. We've talked about that. Monster Hunter Rise, that was a big one for me. We all, you know, really liked Village, but as we've said, we spoke about that for going on four hours already on another episode. Um, Intergrade, again. So it only leaves a couple of games that I want to bring up, and one of them was Crash Bandicoot 4. It's about time. Yeah, great game. Um, and I know that Dave has played that. Johnny, I don't know if you've dipped well, into that at all. After Super Mario World... <laughs> I stopped enjoying platformers. <laughs> okay. Um, well, so Crash Bandicoot 4, It's About Time, is, I suppose, a very, very late follow-up to Crash Bandicoot 3, Warped. Yep. And it's a direct sequel to that game, ignoring any other Crash Bandicoot titles, I think, that have come out since. Yes. Um and it kind of takes its uh, cues from the Insane Trilogy, which was a trilogy of remakes 
of those first three games. So it's a continuation of that, if you like, as well as a continuation of the original three, because it is just a, they're, they're graphical updates for the most part. Yeah. Um, they're not anything wild departure from it. But the things that um, it's about time, uh, the premise I think is that, uh, uh, I can't remember what the premise is. It's basically the same as Warped, except yeah, there's they, more masks. <laughs> yeah, the, and there's a mask that lets you sort of phase into a different sort of dimension, but you're st- or a different sort of plane of of existence. Yeah. You're mm. a different sort of. You're like you're like gas rather than something. Anyway, it brings in a really interesting mechanic where you can kind of apply this mask and interact with the world in a different way. You don't transport to a different dimension, but you kind of interact with it on a different level. So you go to a negative uh, version of the level, effectively. Yeah. And uh, there's new characters, so I don't know if you all remember, uh, is it Tana? Tana, yeah. Uh, she was Crash Bandicoot's girlfriend. Coco isn't Crash Bandicoot's girlfriend, for anyone who gets confused. She's his <laughs> sister. Um, but some I hope people, he doesn't get confused. <laughs> some people seem to Some people seem to conflate Tana and Coco. People yeah. who maybe played them when they were kids, but didn't really pay attention for a long time, misremember that. So Tana was the character that would be at the end of bonus levels yes you'd see her and, and she was there that's his girlfriend coco from crash bandicoot 2 or warped that's his sister don't get it confused um but they given tana a redesign in the original game she was a bit of a, a bimbo mm. um and in this she's she's much cooler um it was a controversial redesign but i think that a lot of people who had issues with it are of the right wing you know variety sort of didn't you know well they want lower taxes yeah just sort of like (laughs) incels uh, incels yeah that kind of you know sexists they don't like you know didn't like the change but i think it's a really cool redesign and she also has a grappling hook which is fun and interesting um so there's not a lot to say about crash bandicoot 4 it's about time uh if you're familiar with the series which i think a lot of people have it really is more of the same, but yes. adding in these sort of elements that um, new mechanics that sort of give it a, a veneer of f- freshness, really. Um, and it's tight. Like the platforming is really tight. Um, some of the level designs are, are fantastic. Um, and coming back to an old series like that and trying to sort of bring it forward, I think a lot of the time that doesn't really work. But with this, it kind of just strikes that right balance of of not pandering to the f- fans of the original games or pandering to what you think it should be, but also not stepping so far out of it that it feels like uh, the continuity between three and four is broken. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a really nice looking game. I'd say that was it's never going to be my game of the year, um, but for, you know, one of those sort of mid mid tier games that comes out in a year. I think it's it's really good fun. It's also and particularly yeah. brutally fucking difficult. Like the time trials are oh, yeah. really hard. <laughs> like I think a lot of people complained about Insane Trilogy being difficult. Yeah, but it, it's no more difficult than the games were when they came out. Um, yeah, for sure. This definitely whereas, is. <laughs> yeah, and compared to their contemporaries as well, like the original trilogy came out when games I think were on average a bit more difficult. Mm-hmm. Whereas now I think people expect a lot less in terms of difficulty from games. 
So compared to its contemporaries, it feels even harder, which is a strange one. Um, I don't know. Does anybody, I guess it's only really you, Dave. Do, do you have anything else to add about uh, It's About Time or... Nothing, nothing that you've known already. So, like, I really liked how they approached the visual design. It's like very sort of like cartoony, like quite dynamic and like uh, big lines. Rather, like the N Sane trilogy went for like quite sort of more detailed and I wouldn't say realistic, but more detailed and high yeah. resolution uh, models and um, environments. Whereas this goes for like sort of pop art cartoony stuff, and it works really well. It also yeah. means it can run on literally any console. So it came out the Switch and it runs like fine. Like it's not mm. 60 but it's 30 fps and um they released an update for ps5 runs in 4k 60 looks amazing brilliant um like you said really tight platform and you get to play as dingo dial and he's great fun to play as um yeah. um you also get to play as cortex um they've, they've all got like so you get to play as cortex crash coco uh, who's just a skin swap crash and uh, tona uh, and dingo dial and um they all have their own wee unique gameplay mechanics and um, so it mm. gives it keeps changing things up but not to the degree like um i think you might agree with this like warped gimmick things up too much um, I think like the the issue of warped was that uh they tried to do this thing where there was several sets of levels yeah and in each set of levels each level had a different gimmick so you had your uh running towards the camera levels you had your underwater levels or your sort of Coco levels where she was on the tiger, mm-hmm. your water levels, and like it just was like when you really want just pure Crash Bandicoot platforming, you got like one of those, and then four other levels where it was doing something else, mm-hmm. and that is too the ratio there's too off. Yeah, for sure. For a Crash Bandicoot game, it felt like a I don't know, like a party game almost where. I don't know. It was it was weird. I love warped, but it's a difficult one to sort of when you want Crash Bandicoot, you want pure Crash Bandicoot. Platform, you don't want to adulterate yeah. it with whatever Warped was doing. So it was fine, but you know, yeah, definitely. But uh, in this one, it sort of hits the ratio better, if that makes sense. Yeah, the, the gimmicks are woven into the actual standard platform and gameplay, kind of like it was with Crash Two. Where like you had yeah. the you had the waterboard and the wakeboarding levels and the jetpack levels, but it was all woven into normal levels as well. And this is the same. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I would agree with you. It's, it's not a game of the year candidate, but it's a really solid wee platformer. Definitely mm. worth a look at. Um, and my second game, and I guess the last game uh, of the episode, would be, and I don't know if this is uh, a big surprise to anybody, but um, Endwalker came out. Final Fantasy XIV Endwalker. Oh yeah. And I think I'm the only one who's played it. And so I'm not going to go into any story. I'm going to say that I loved it. It was good. Um, Final Fantasy XIV, more generally, it's a, it's a hard game to get into, I feel. Yeah. Um, I think this is something that most people agree is like, you really need to commit like tens, maybe hundreds of hours before you really get to the meat of it, which is a shame because... Uh, there is that's going to put some people off, but going by the subscriber numbers and how critically acclaimed it is, like it hasn't put off that many people. Mm. Um, so N Walker's the final, the final sort of release for the main story of of the MMO that's been going since I don't know, feels like the beginning of time. Um, I won't comment on whether or not I think it wrapped up properly. I haven't fully finished it yet. Um, 
but I would say that I'm really enjoying it and I'm currently at about a thousand hours in game on Final Fantasy fourteen on my main character and you know we, we all play so um uh, in in varying you know across time there's been you know people have dipped in and out but it's one of those games like Monster Hunter Rise where you can just get together with your friends and, and play some of the content um, and then also go off and do stuff on your own. Or Yeah, I, I love Final Fantasy XIV a lot. And although I don't have anything really deep to say about the game, uh, I mean, Endwalker is more of the same. You're going to do the same sort of dungeons and raids and stuff like that. The, the, the core gameplay hasn't changed at all. So really all you can comment on is the story and, and we don't want to spoil that. Um, but I felt like it was worth just noting that that is part of my list you know i think it's excellent um 14 just goes from strength to strength every time and uh you're really running out of time i feel to sort of go and enjoy it at a time when i mean it's like if you imagine trying to go in and get into world of warcraft now yeah you couldn't really i don't feel you've missed a lot of it um so endwalker's the current expansion when the next expansion comes out, it'll be starting on something new. So if you really want to experience at least a bit of of Final Fantasy fourteen in its heyday or whatever you want, you need to get into it now and, and play through that, and then you'll be able to experience it sort of while it's current, I'd say. Not that it's planning to end anytime soon. They've said that they'll do expansions, but about different things, and we don't know what that's going to look like. So yeah. that's really my big recommendation is if you haven't, go and get into it now. Um, and I guess that sort of that came out late 2021 as well so I guess that kind of brings us to the end of 2021 um, see I've just realised that I, I messed up because I didn't mention Hitman 3 oh yeah Hitman 3 I didn't mention that either in my did, did you play it Liam? I did it's excellent oh, it, is, it, is, it really is I mean I suppose I should say just briefly that it follows up the first two parts of the World of Assassination trilogy and finishes it really well. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. And Mr. X's Nightmare came out in 21 as well. So that's the Streets of Rage 4 oh, yeah. expansion, which is kind of like a bit of a roguelike uh, survival mode, yeah. which is also excellent. Street Stage Four, probably like if that had come out later in twenty twenty, because it was it was also in mid twenty twenty release. Like, I mean, that's another. It's kind of on the same part as like um, Crash Bandicoot Four, which is like this shouldn't or like Metroid Dread actually. It's probably closer to Metroid Dread. Was like this shouldn't be this good, but it is, and you should like you didn't realize how grateful you are that it is that good until after. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it is probably the best scroll and beat 'em up since Streets of Rage Two. It's it's that good. Well, Dragon's Crown, but you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I love Dragon's Crown, but it's not got the immediacy. True. Yeah. Like it's more like that one is you sit down and you play for three hours and go through all the story dungeons and rack up loads of experience. But anyway, I feel like I've now taken us on a detour of all the games that Johnny forgot, but. That's it. I'm not going to even look at my phone to <laughs> see if there was another game that I I didn't mention. Oh well, so we're already in in March, so 22 is looking relatively healthy in terms of games. Elden Ring. We'll, pro- we'll probably be doing this again at the end of the year or at the start of next year, uh, and 
as Dave says, of course. <laughs> Elden Ring. I've just forgotten all the other games that are coming out this year because you said that. <laughs> it's the only game. It's the, it's the game of 2022. Already. Like, there was something else I wanted to play and it's just uh, a Sunbreak. So Sunblast. I suppose that's, that's a expansion, but yeah. uh, that uh, Village DLC this year. Oh yeah, I forgot yeah. about that. Is that this year? I hope so. I think so, yeah. But uh, yeah, I suppose that, you know, Hopefully in another year we'll have 12 more episodes under her belt or something. <laughs> and we can look back on, on, on these games that we're playing at the moment. We will look back and it'll go like, ah, I don't think it was pish compared to this other game that oh, came shit. out. It was shit, man. <laughs> right. Yeah, actually, and our, our next episode's going to have a 21 game. So look forward to that. Yeah, we haven't even mentioned it in this episode. So. Oh, yeah. Um, but I suppose that's for the best because we'd have nothing to say about it next week. True. Or next month. <laughs> Uh, but yeah thanks for joining us um again and we're sorry we were away um we're we are sort of looking at that logistically trying to make sure we don't have any gaps um but it requires a bit of fore planning on our part um join us next month as we uh i suppose play a game that is more within the podcast wheelhouse we're going back to the horror and it's a very spooky one so yeah take care Bye. bye bye bye